0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, April 23rd, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. The governor and legislative leaders have agreed on a rough plan to use federal pandemic relief from Congress to help stabilize Alaska's beleaguered ferry system. A $900 billion bill passed by Congress in the final days of 2020 included $14 billion for mass transit. This month, state leaders learned that $76.8 million of that could be used for the Alaska Marine Highway System. Now, Governor Mike Dunleavy proposes funding the ferry system in next year's budget for 18 months rather than the usual 12. That means this year's budget would cover ferry operations from July 1st of this year through the end of 2022, he said during a stop in Ketchikan. Longer-term planning has long been a rallying cry for supporters of the marine highway. It was also a key recommendation of the governor's working group, which studied the ferry system last year. Human skeletal remains found on Kruzoff Island near Sitka in April of 2020 are modern but not especially recent. A DNA sample will be compared to a national database of missing persons and could shed light on who the individual was and how they came to an end in the woods behind Shoals Point. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
1: According to Sitka Police, the individual was between the ages of 30 and 50 years old at the time of death and likely of Native American, Latinx, or other Asian derivative. And while it's not a lot to go on, that we know this much at all is the result of work by a special field of investigation called forensic anthropology.
2: Those are really the three main things we we do. Who might it be? what happened to them, and can we positively associate those remains with a missing person?
1: There are roughly 200 forensic anthropologists in the U.S., and Mark Ingram is one of them. He's the associate director of the Forensic Anthropology Unit of the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification. The Kruzoff bones were sent to the Forensic Anthropology Unit by the Alaska Medical Examiner because they are legally or medically significant. In other words, the skeleton wasn't from a cultural site or historic grave.
2: Does something that's 500 years old look different than something that's 10? Absolutely. Yeah, these aren't ancient remains.
1: And neither are they from World War II, when the Shoals Point area where they were found was a large military encampment. Ingram is one of three investigators at the lab. Although the crews off bones were investigated by a colleague, the team peer reviews each other's work He says movies and television have misled people about how much forensic anthropology alone can accomplish. The lab can't determine how tall this person was from the submitted bones or their sex. There aren't any signs of injury. Unraveling this mystery will require going to the next level.
2: It's very hard to determine what happened if there's no indication of trauma or even if there is an indication of trauma if you don't have a name. Without a name, you can't find out who they were with, what they were doing, what was going on with that individual 10 years ago, 15 years ago.
1: The lab has sent samples of the Kruzoff skeleton next door, so to speak, to the Center for Human Identification's Missing Persons DNA Unit, where they will be matched to a nationwide DNA database maintained by the FBI. The database, called CODIS, has DNA profiles collected from many sources, from unidentified remains like these, from evidence gathered by law enforcement, and most importantly, from the family of missing persons.
2: If there are any individuals in the community and or any community that have missing relatives, any law enforcement agency can collect reference samples uh, for the missing person's DNA database. Remains can only be identified if there's something to match to.
1: Ingram says the missing persons unit has connected family members to remains from as long ago as the 1950s. More recently, in 2015, investigators identified a human leg bone recovered in a trawl net in the Bering Sea. It belonged to one of the crew members lost in the sinking of the Arctic Rose 14 years earlier. The crew member's mother had submitted a DNA reference sample to the FBI shortly after the loss of the Arctic Rose. As for the cruise off bones, Ingram says there is a backlog at the U.S. labs that can sequence mitochondrial DNA, but this individual's profile should be in the database soon. And only then will we have a chance to learn who they were. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: Whether you rent or buy, housing in Sitka is expensive. Median home values and rent prices are consistently among the highest in the state so some Sitkins are adding cabins and mother-in-law apartments to their properties to help pay their mortgage and expand Sitka's tight rental market. As KCAW's Erin McKinstry reports, affordable housing advocates want the city to make so-called accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, easier to
3: build. Before the pandemic, 31-year-old Adrienne Wilbur lived a transient lifestyle. She worked as a mate and crew member traveling the world aboard a nonprofit sailing ship and returned to her hometown of Sitka a few months out of the year. That's where she was in March, 2020, when she found out her entire work season was canceled.
4: I knew that if I didn't have anything to occupy my time, the like already pretty intense mental strains of the pandemic would just be way worse for me. So I needed something.
0: So
3: this is it, I would imagine. (laughs) Ta-da! Half-finished house. Wilbur's pandemic project is a small cottage in the corner of her parents' property. It's the first house she's ever built. The walls and the roof are up, but the inside still needs work.
4: And is that the bathroom?
3: Yeah, this is the bathroom. Okay.
4: So it's a studio layout um, with just the bathroom wall off.
3: Before Wilbur started this project, she'd never heard of an accessory dwelling unit. She learned from the city planning department that ADU is a catch-all term for a small but complete living space added to an existing house or built nearby on the same lot. Now, she's an ADU advocate. She says she'd never be able to buy a home in Sitka on her nonprofit salary. And she thinks if more homeowners add them, it could help some of her friends who've struggled to find affordable long-term housing solutions in a place where buildable land is
4: limited. Like, just think of, like, every house on this block could fit another, like, individual or, like, two people living there in their own house yeah maybe you still have a landlord you still are in a relationship with the people whose like land you are living on but it does provide more options and like people need more options.
3: ADUs can also help homeowners. Aaron Routon and his wife tacked a second story apartment onto their house when they were building a downstairs addition Routon says the income from renting it to a friend helps him and his wife afford things like after school activities for their three kids.
2: It's really big for us. Um, As far as the income it generates, it really allows us the freedom and flexibility to go travel south and see family there. It also takes some of the pressure off of a tighter budget.
3: It's not just Sitkins who are turning to ADUs to help address housing affordability. Anchorage revised their regulations in 2018 to make them easier to build. And Juneau has a $6,000 grant program for homeowners who want to add one to their property. Jeanette Lee works on housing issues in Alaska for the Sightline Institute, the public policy think tank. She says many cities are turning to ADUs as a way to increase population density while still preserving the character of a neighborhood.
0: If you create a better environment, regulatory environment for ADUs, what happens is homeowners can benefit because ADUs increase property values. But if they're turned into rentals, then you create better conditions in the rental market by providing more choice, more competition...
3: Lisa's cities could do more to encourage ADUs by reducing parking requirements, allowing them in more zones, and streamlining the permitting process. Sitka's current ADU policy allows them outright in many parts of the city as long as they meet a set of 14 conditions, which include things like parking and design requirements. But there are still some zones where they're not allowed at all, and others where homeowners are required to get planning commission approval no matter what. Sitka resident and District 35 representative Jonathan Grace Tompkins has long been a proponent of ADUs to address affordable housing. He thinks Sitka could look to other cities to update its policy.
4: Basically, my view is like if Sitka wants to be serious about affordable housing and more housing, it needs to be like it can't just nibble around the edges at public policy. It needs to like (laughs) commit itself to a solution. So, I mean, like having a much more aggressive ADU policy than currently exists.
3: At a recent Planning Commission meeting, however, commissioners said they wanted to make the process more restrictive by requiring anyone who wants to build an ADU to get Planning Commission approval. That way, neighbors have a chance to weigh in with things like parking and noise concerns in every case. 28-year-old Katie Riley was the lone member opposed. She says she sees a lot of community support for ADUs, and as a young person in Sitka, affordable housing is a major concern. So that to me just doesn't seem like the right direction if we
4: are trying to encourage creative solutions, making the process harder for people to pursue those solutions.
3: Wilbur, who's building the cottage in her parents' yard, says she wasn't deterred by the process. She had support from friends and family and the time to put in her own labor. But she knows that isn't the case for everyone. She sees ADUs as just one piece of Sitka's affordable housing solution.
4: It is a powerful tool as part of what would need to be like a multi-part plan.
3: When she'll finish her cottage or whether she'll move in permanently is yet to be determined. But, she says, it's nice to have options and to learn a new skill along the way. Reporting in Sitka,
0: I'm Erin McKinstry. Throughout April and May, KCAW News will be bringing you stories about affordable housing solutions every Friday as part of our Building Solutions series. To find photos and more in-depth reporting, visit kcaw.org slash building solutions. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.